Hey, everybody. Welcome to You Were Born for this podcast with Father John Ricardo Mary Guilfoyle. We're a couple of missionaries at Acts 29. This is the podcast where we talk about the Word of God and how the Scriptures can bring transformation and renewal to every area of our lives. Mary, how was your Thanksgiving? Oh, my gosh, Father John. It was glorious. We had a full table. We had kids, grandkids, toys, food, turkey, more turkey. Cats. Cats. It was it was just great to be around the table. And, uh, you know, I've had conversations with a set of people, you know, having, you know, we're all home now off the road for while and just we had conversations around Thanksgiving and just acknowledging that every day is a day to be grateful. Every yeah, day should be a day, be a day of day, Thanksgiving. But a season, a, a lifetime, is. right? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Abs- How about you? Great. Great to be with family. See uh, those that I don't get to see uh, anywhere near enough, but it was uh, always a gift just to catch up with um, family and then with some friends and had an incredible encounter with a a gentleman who's a, a permanent deacon here in the Diocese of Lansing. I want to just uh, mention this quickly because, you know, sometimes you meet people and it just absolutely changes your Marks life. Marks your life. So Deacon Tom Rea, he's, uh, he's got ALS, so I'm just going to ask everybody to pray for him and for his wife, Barb, and their family. And I uh, had a chance to visit him the day after Thanksgiving, and I don't know what he got out of it, but I just left there so inspired and called on. At one point, I looked. So he's got a, a trach, so he can't speak. So he, he talks to his uh, iPad. He types, and the, the iPad talks. And at one point, I just looked at him. I says, you are just dripping with joy. Like, here he is. He's uh, he's suffering in the ways that he, that those who uh, who battle ALS are. And the man is just exuding Confidence in Jesus, joy, trust, faith. I walked out just thinking, oh, I am an absolute loser. Like, Lord, just help me to be a better man. Oh, it was just, uh, so please pray for, for Deacon Tom and for his family. And But you know, Father John, that's often the case when we encounter our brothers and sisters who are suffering. There's that grace that God makes available to them. And you, you, you look at our friends, and we have a lot of friends who are in seasons of uh, suffering and sickness, and um, they have a lot to teach us. Oh, indeed right? they do. Indeed right. they do. And the scriptures have a lot to teach us this coming week. So what's our topic? So our topic for this week is humility, humility, humility. I think I get the point. Okay, <laughs> let's pray. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Father, we just thank you for uh, the days that we're about to enter into this uh, extraordinary season of Advent, which is often so underappreciated and uh, misunderstood and just poorly used. We just ask for your Holy Spirit to come upon us as we uh, reflect upon your word, that we might uh, continue to understand what it is you want to say to us very personally how it is that we can better live our lives for the glory of your name and uh, the good of all those that you've put around us. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Why don't you take us away? Yeah, so our uh, first reading for this coming Sunday comes from Isaiah chapter 63. You, Lord, are our Father, our Redeemer, you are named forever. Why do you let us wander, O Lord, from your ways and harden our hearts so that we fear you not? Return for the sake of your servants, the tribes of your heritage. 
Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down with the mountains quaking before you. While you wrought awesome deeds we could not hope for, such as they had not heard of from of old. No ear has ever heard, nor I ever seen, any God but you doing such deeds for those who wait for him. Would that you might meet us doing right, that we were mindful of you in our ways. Behold, you are angry and we are sinful. All of us have become like unclean people. All our good deeds are like polluted rags. We have all withered like leaves, and our guilt carries us away like the wind. There is none who calls upon your name, who rouses himself to cling to you. For you have hidden your face from us, and have delivered us up to our guilt. Yet, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay, and you the potter. We are all the works of your hands. Well, there's some rich, some rich themes here, which I think um, many of us, myself certainly included, we often take for granted, or, or maybe better said, there's some words that are perhaps overly familiar to us that I'm not sure we actually really understand appropriately uh, or as well as we could, but. You know, maybe if I can, let me just say something quickly about Advent, because this Sunday is going to be the beginning of the season right. of Advent, and I always used to say to people when I was in the parish, like, what's Advent about other than shopping? Like, what do you do? Like, Lent, everybody knows what to do in Lent, you don't eat, you know, you, you eat all these different things. But I think my own experience personally as a disciple, and then my own experience just walking with people, I don't think many people really know what to do during Advent, or even what the word's about. And Increasingly so, over these last number of, maybe the last two, three years, I have found uh, Advent and the Feast of Christ the King to be perfectly timed, you know, and and, and I'm not sure that we often understand the Feast of Christ the King either. Uh, I know one scholar, he, he actually argues that the real Feast of Christ the King is the Feast of the Ascension, and that's how I've always seen Jesus' ascension, too. Is It's almost like a victory parade for like a the ultimate mm-hmm. war hero. I always have in my mind the veterans coming back from World War II, my dad and, and, and all his peers, like marching down the ticker tape parades to the angels, just standing as the victorious Son of God you know, enters back Returning into heaven home. with his wounds, you know, having conquered the enemy. But some people would argue that that's the real feast of Christ the King. And I think there's a lot of value to that. That's not to say we should change the church calendar or anything like that. But if we understand what Jesus is doing in his ascension, then I think we can understand Advent. Because ascension, I think a lot of us think Jesus in his ascension, somehow he went away. And I, I really don't know where he is, but I'm hoping he comes back soon. And then when he comes back soon, he'll take us away too. I, I know that sounds really simple, and maybe maybe a number of the folks listening, they don't think that way. But I think that's how a lot of people think. You know, Jesus has kind of like gone up into space. Somewhere out there. Yep, and he's going to come back from space someday, we know and what he's, he's going to take doing, us back. And we don't know what he's doing right now. Yeah. Right. And, and Scripture tells us what he's doing. I mean, Hebrews talks about him like he is at the right hand of the Father, the Father interceding for us. I mean, that's, that's what's going on right now. Jesus hasn't left us. Heaven isn't somewhere else. It's another dimension of the one reality, um, which is God's reign. And 
Jesus is already king. That's what we celebrated last Sunday. Um, He's just not yet fully exercising his kingship, but he is already king, sovereign king of the universe, as the the solemnity we celebrated um, puts it. So the, the Lord is going to return, and that's what Advent's all about. So I think a lot of us see Advent as this preparation for Christmas, and of course it is in a certain sense, but the, the readings don't fit at all because the readings are all about watching and preparing and getting ready. And we're not getting ready for Christmas. We're getting ready for the royal return of the king. And that's really the root of this word that we translate uh, as Advent. I mean, the, the biblical word is uh, parousia, the, which is a Greek word, which means arrival or coming in general, but it, it was used in a very particular way for like the emperor's arrival at a city. And when the, you know, when the emperor was approaching a, a region or a territory, the people would go out to meet him, and then they would bring him into the city. And that's how Paul's talking about uh, the Lord's return in, in so many different places where he talks about the Lord's return. It's not that the, the space man's going to you know, like come down out of space and then take us back up to space. No, the, the real king, the true Lord, not Caesar, not some president, not, not a prime minister, Jesus is going to appear like we're going to see him. He's already here, but we just can't see him exercising his lordship. He, but we will one day... And Advent is supposed to be a time for us to both anticipate that because it's really going to happen and to get ready for it because, as last Sunday's gospel says, uh, he's going to separate the sheep and the goats. And so we would do well right now to get ready for that. And that's what Advent's about, right? Trying to get ourselves... To, to look back at, like, where are those places where Jesus isn't exercising lordship in my life right now, and to get ready so that when he comes, I can be prepared for that very real encounter. I think it's so helpful, Father John, everything that you just said. You know, we, we, we talk about um, uh, the Marines are keen on using an acronym um, IOT in order to. So we're celebrating Advent in order to do what? Yeah in order as disciples of Jesus to take a, an assessment of our life so as to be ready for that very real day. And, and it's just not looking at um, uh, sins of commission, those things that we've done, but also a look at what we are not doing. And, re- you know, in relationship to last week's gospel reading, the sheeps and the goats, what, am I, what are my sins of omission? What am I not doing that I need to be doing? Yeah. That God's inviting me to do so as not to be considered a goat on that day. Because those are all sins of omission. Those are all like sins they didn't of, do anything. That's exactly right. I mean, that that's Ugh. what really caught me. I thought, oh my gosh, like when was the last time I took to confession in a very intentional way, those sins of omission, those things that I have failed yeah. to do. Because those are just as convicting as what as as what I have done. Yeah. So let, let, let's maybe using that as a launching off point. Let's let's jump into this passage from Isaiah, which is Isaiah sixty three and, and sixty four, because I know you and I were both struck by a common uh, conviction. There's there's a couple of things that are worth just calling out, and then maybe we can get to this common conviction we had. 
the, the things worth calling out are uh, the intimacy of this passage. Mm-hmm. You know, we're used to calling God Father. Jesus taught us to call God Father because that's who he is. Um, but it's a rare thing in the Old Testament for uh, God to be called Father. It's not unheard of, but it's rare. And it happens actually three times in this span of verses. Uh, one of them gets removed for some reason in our translation this week. But So that that's a obviously a very familial term. I know a lot of people have not so great fathers or didn't have so great fathers. Um, the Holy Spirit wants to heal our image of the Father so that we can come to know God the Father's love for us and our identity as his beloved sons and daughters. So that's a huge um, theme that's showing up in this reading. Th- another word that's showing up, which you know we talk all the time in the Rescue Project, uh, about uh, the word redeemer. Mm-hmm. You know, I always say to folks, um, it's a line from Pope Benedict that I always found to be very humorous and apropos at the same time. He says, the church is doing a great job answering questions nobody's asking. And it does a great job using language that nobody understands. And and redeemer, I think, is one of those words. I mean, like, what in the world is a redeemer? I've never redeemed anything in my life except a coupon. I And I so appreciate that you've given voice to that. I, I never heard anyone break open the word redeemer before you did in the rescue project. Goel, and it's such a beautiful, beautiful reality of what a Goel is. Can you talk yeah, so a little a bit Goel, about that? Yeah, so a Goel, one of the ways to think of it is something like an avenging kinsman. Mm. So a Goel is a, a relational word, a family term, and there's a lot of meanings to it. But um, two in particular are worth highlighting. A Goel is a family member who among the responsibilities that he has is if someone in my family is kidnapped, I have the obligation to go and get them back. Or if um, somebody in my family has been murdered, I have the obligation to avenge the murder. God says about us, I am your Goel. In other words, your family to me. This is so powerful, right? Like that's who God thinks of me, like me, dust and ashes. I'm family to God, and and we have all been taken into slavery by sin and death and Satan. And the Lord says, I will get you back. And he did by his death and his resurrection. And I will avenge the murder of this race, which was created in my image and likeness, and I will do that by going to battle against the one who tried to kill you, namely Satan. That reality changes everything about how we see the Father. Because oh, we, goodness. To your point, you know, we many of us can have a distorted uh, image of what, what a Father is, but this is God the Father. That should shatter every image we have about the good and gracious Father that we have. That should change everything, how we see Him, and then subsequently, to your point earlier, how we see ourselves. And it's just because you broke open the word Redeemer. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that that's a massive mind shift for all of us. So let, let's hit this one sure. I think common conviction that that hit the the two of us uh, from which we get the the topic humility 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 and I think it's just the honesty of Isaiah in this passage. 
So just share like what, what, what is it in there that the Lord was just saying to you? I know you had some thoughts about confession and different things, but just like, how, how is the spirit speaking to you in his word? I, I would say, you know, maybe if I could, it gets crystallized, maybe in just something this simple. Um, I was hit by this passionate cry of misery acknowledging our sinfulness, who we are, how we have wondered. And then this hopeful, heartfelt appeal for mercy. Hmm. And that, that, that really is the theme for our lives. Don't, don't you think, I mean, if you, if you boil it down to all of that, and then, and then he goes into, and this is the perennial question, he asks, you know, the why. Uh, why? why we are inclined to wonder. Mm. And it's because we have a sin problem, yeah. right? And if we look at our own sinfulness uh, squarely in the face, um, there, is, there is no one to blame for the crises in my heart or my mind or in the world or in the church other than my own inclination uh, to sin. And that's not to say that, you know, you often say too, Father John, that that um, the reality that God is defeated, but not yet destroyed mm. sin. Uh, God is defeated, but not yet destroyed death and hell. So these are the things that we that we struggle with, and and the why isn't what we really want to know. We want someone to do something mm. about all of that. And to your point, at His second coming. Um, we will have the answer, not just maybe so much the answer, but we will see the answerer, mm. the one mm. who answers our cry for misery and our cry for mercy. Yeah, and I know that's. I find the prophets, um, so convicting because they don't say, "Lord, those people over there have done terrible things." They say, "We." we. Us. It's always we. In fact, uh, I'm always. I'm. I'm so. I'm so sensitive to that when I preach or I teach to not say you. I'm sure I fail over and over again, but it's 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 not you all out there. It's us. It's we. We're all part of the same common lot. And so, you know, Isaiah's language, you know, um, behold, you are angry and we are sinful. All of us have become like unclean people. All our good deeds are like polluted rags. We are have all withered like leaves. And there's a spiritual director of mine many years ago used to say, you know, you, you have to continually remember you are not apart from those people. You are a part, part of, of them. You know, the, the, uh, the, the very things that, that we're so tempted to condemn and, uh, and, and, and to call out that we see going on in the world right now, they're in me. You know, I, I I remember thinking, the, the I've been in Auschwitz three times, and the first time I went was, I think in 1992 or 93, it was Holy Saturday. It was ice cold, and there was almost nobody in the camp. It was just like 15 of us. And uh, it was just horrific. I mean, just the moment you walked in, you just felt like, oh my gosh, this place is like genuinely haunted. And you could feel like cries coming out of the ground. And, and we, even though we were, we were friends, we all separated immediately. Like, I don't want to be near anybody. Like, get away from me. And as I was walking through the camp, 
you know, the, the indignation just surges inside you as you see what, what people did to other people. And then at one point, I felt like the Lord just said to me, John, who do you think did this? Demons didn't do this. Men did this. Men and women. Men like you. This is what you're capable of. This is where all your thoughts, if they're not checked, if they're not taken captive to Christ, this is what they can become. And it was so humbling, you know, just to realize like men with passion, that's me, can do this. I can do this, even if I don't actually do it with my hands, I can think it or say it and and do it, you know, not to the degree that they did. And and that's what I see in in the prophets, you know, like in fact the um I love the psalm this week too. The refrain is, Lord, make us turn to you. <laughs> you know, it's a the the church in, in her prayers often prays like this. Make us turn to you. Because if you don't, Lord, yeah. I, I'm a mess. It's the line there. I'm a mess. There but for the grace of God. Go I. Go I. Yeah, that's right. I, um, as I'm just praying, as I'm listening to you speak, and our, j- just understanding what we're capable of in our heart because of the sin problem that we struggle with, as we pray for people, as I pray for people, this is what I've been experiencing in prayer. You know, we, we, we have a host of people in our lives who have either fallen away from the faith or just have never embraced the Lord Jesus and had that encounter with the Lord that reorders our entire lives. And I have found of late that as I'm praying for their conversion, the Lord says, how about you pray for your own conversion? Yeah. Because the one who has to be converted the most, the one whose heart I have access to, is my own. And I'm so critically aware of all those areas in my life where where the flag of God's lordship does still struggles to fly high. Yeah. And and so I need to pray for my own conversion. I had just recently gone to confession and as I was preparing my confession, I just said, Lord, if this were my last confession, like like bring to my mind everything that you want me to take into the sacrament so that I can really experience being refashioned hmm. and remade and recreated. And if this were my last confession, what do what do I need to bring here? And sadly, I don't think I look at my confessions as like, this could be my last confession. What do I need to bring here? Everything. The, I mean, the ugliness of who I am. And um, yeah, so those are just some of the things I'm thinking about as we've prayed through yeah, this Yeah, and I think, I think that's the practical takeaway for, um, for the week is, uh, is confession. You know, mm. I, uh, Advent is a time when we see a lot of penance services and parishes. Um, most people in the church still don't go to confession, uh, tragically. Uh, I didn't go for years. I don't think I went for 10 years. And, uh, and I think a lot of people don't go to confession because they're afraid. And I think what they're actually most afraid of, it's not afraid of saying what they've done. We do that all the time. Everybody goes to confession. We just don't go to a priest. But everybody goes to confession. Like There's this really felt need to tell people what we've done. Right. Um, I think most people, 
really strangely are afraid of, I forgot what I'm supposed to do when I'm there and I don't want to look like an idiot. And so as a, as a confessor, as well as a confessee to those of you who are listening, who may not have gone to confession in some time, don't worry about that. Like no, if no priest is going to yell at you, if he does like shame on him and never go back to him again. But, um, you just, the, the hardest part about confession is actually just walking into the door. Once you've done that, it's just sheer grace. And I know you, uh, I know you frequent the sacrament and I go all the time and, Confession is actually the place above all places where I experience the love of God most powerfully. Because, like, you don't walk into confession and go, "Hey, let me tell you about the great, great things God. I've done." It's like, <laughs> it's a great gal. oh my gosh, I, like here I am, like bless me, Father, I am sin, you know, and mm-hmm. and and even though we're you know we're not bringing our ideal selves, we're bringing our real selves into the confessional. I've never been rebuffed. I've never been discarded. I've never been kicked out. It's always the Father's love. Might be, you know, a chastisement, a rebuke, and whatever, but it's always the Father's love. And and that's what we need to know. I mean, like deep down, I need to know that despite whatever, I'm actually I'm still, still loved. loved. Still yeah. loved. And there's something too, just hearing the words of um Absolution. Absolution. Like, like I need to hear that. Like, I need to hear my voice telling a priest who I am and what I've done, and then I need to hear these words of, of absolution. And, and I'm thinking about, you know, um, on Easter Vigil, where we watch those who are being brought into the church yeah. and who are being baptized. Sometimes I will sit in my pew um, with some sense of holy jealousy. Yeah watching them get baptized because it's just such a glory. Like everything is washed away. But in reality, that's what happens in confession too. It's, it's called the confession is called second baptism. Right. That's what you really experience. And we walk out just this sense of not having beat up, but just having been welcomed again yeah. by this father who has redeemed us, this father who is our Goel, who has given us this exceptional grace and, I don't know. Um, I just want to share something with you just real quick. You know, I was taken um, in the passage that we're going to hear this next Sunday, that last line where um, Isaiah uh, writes yet, Oh Lord, you are our father. We are the clay and you are the potter and confession can oftentimes be like us crawling up back onto the wheel by God's grace Mm -hmm as this messy blob of wet, misshapen clay and letting him refashion us right there. But it's by his grace, it's by his invitation that we go to the the sacrament. But I just thought that was such a helpful image for me. Like, Lord, I'm just crawling back up here yeah, just one more time. And I'm just asking you to moisten your hands and put your wet hands to this hard clay and make it soft and reshape it and remold it. So I can go out and be the woman that you've created me to be. And and I think when we have that experience of the Lord's, you know, tender love, his mercy being poured out upon us, that that what happens is then I am able to go bring that tender love and uh, compassion to those around me. And if I don't encounter God's mercy, 
then I am really prone to be harsh. I'm, I'm harsh enough as it is, and I go to confession all the time. I can only imagine what I'd be like if I didn't. Um, but, you know, we talk often about how the Lord wants to send us out into this world to be agents of transformation right. and agents of reconciliation. I can't be that if I haven't and I don't regularly encounter his mercy, uh, the potter remaking me and, and experiencing his, his uh, forgiveness and his compassion and his... Uh, his absolution. So that's the takeaway. So let, let's pray for the grace this week to use these weeks that are about to begin, the season well. The judge, the emperor, the true Lord, the king, he is going to appear, and he's going to make all things new. But in the meantime, he wants to make me new. He wants to make you new. And the most powerful place that that happens for most of us is in the sacrament of confession. So for those of us who haven't been in a long time, just muster up the grace to go. And for those of us who go regularly, uh, let's go. But then let's also realize as we walk out, then the Lord says, now I want you to go bring this mercy that you've received here out into that world, which is a, a canceling world and a, and a harsh world and a condemning world so that we can bring the very mercy of God that we've received uh, from him very personally out into the lives of those who need it as well. And in the meantime... Do not be afraid, for God our Father is with us, and we were born for this.